good evening. Uh, welcome on another class of Bible School. It's class number 31. And we are in the book of Romans. Uh, let's turn to the chapter 7. Uh, and we will touch a little bit 6, 7 and 8. We started with the chapter 8 already, but it's all uh, connected between. So we will, we will go through these verses and let's, let's uh, ask uh, God's, God's blessing on this, on this time. So dear God, we just, just thank you to speak to us and, and really speak to our hearts because this hour is important that we hear from you in this, in this last hour of the human existence. We need to hear from you. We need to know your mind. We need to understand what you think, how you think, how you see things. Uh, speak to us. Thank you for your mind, which has been revealed in the scripture. Bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we are we are starting. Uh, let's look into the Romans and let's he read from here. Romans chapter seven. We spoke about these verses already but we will touch them again and then we will expand on it. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. Okay? Uh, there is this picture of the relationship in marriage and this legal status of a woman and her husband in the marriage. For the woman which has husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. So when he dies, everything changes. It says here, but if the husband be dead, if he dies, she is loose from the law of her husband. And now it says here, now she is free, verse 3, to be married to another because the old one died. Okay, she will not be called adulterous. She, be, she can be married to another man. Verse 4, it says, So we are dead to the law, to the old husband, and we are married to another, which is Christ, that's the one which was raised from the dead. Now, it says that we should bring forth fruit unto God. This is a beautiful picture speaking about fruit. Uh, English has this uh, great expression and we can, we can say, it's speaking about it many times. It says here, fruit of the womb, uh, fruit unto God. You know, uh, uh, we can speak about the, about the, uh, how to say it, about this, uh, special blessing in a marriage when woman enters a marriage and through the marriage within these boundaries of love she uh, becomes pregnant and she is carrying the fruit of her womb which is the fruit of the husband 
It's a fruit of the relationship, we could say. And this is basically what he's saying here. He says that now, since she is married to the new one, she should bring fruit unto God. It's a beautiful, you know, the fruit is not something that you strive for and that you do and that you are like uh, uh, really sweaty about it, that you have to do something. No, the fruit is this uh, part when you really enjoy intimacy with God and from this intimacy, the fruit is being born like in marriage. When a woman enjoys the intimacy with her husband, then there is this fruit in her womb which is just a result of this beautiful love exchange and intimacy in the marriage. When the seed is planted into a woman's uh, womb and she becomes pregnant, the same way the incorruptible seed has been planted in us and now we are bearing the fruit. Uh, this is this beautiful picture language. Verse 5 so when we were in the flesh, when we were in our status, being in the flesh, but since now we are in Christ, it's our new, uh, new standing, new position. So we were before in the flesh, the motions of sins, which were by the law, worked in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. So in another speech, it says here, description, when we were married to the old husband, we had the children with the old husband, with the law, and these children, the fruit of this relationship was death, nothing else. Relationship with the law, with the old husband, brings death. Relationship with the new husband, with Christ, brings fruit unto God. How beautiful to understand this passage in this way as it is described here. Because woman which is free from the law because her husband died, she is free to remarry to another one, to Jesus Christ, and from the intimacy she brings fruit unto God. This is the beauty of it. Understanding the fruit. We can speak about the fruit in another terms. For example, the fruit... Uh, on the plant, on the trees, uh, you have a fruit and the tree is bearing the fruit, not doing much, just being planted and having the roots uh, uh, at the right source uh, of the waters. Like a plant which has a root, roots by the waters. That's beautiful. Now, speaking about the law, you can see it here. It was the oldness of the letter. But now, verse 6, we should serve in the newness of the Spirit. This is beautiful to understand that there was this oldness of the letter. That's something which is old, which has passed, which has been fulfilled in Christ. Because we see that the law is holy, you know. Verse 12, the law is holy, the commandment is holy, and just and good. But it's been fulfilled in Christ, that's why this is past, and we are in Christ in a new relationship. Now we see here, 
Romans 7, verse 8. But sin, taken occasion, occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of consuspicions, for without the law sin was dead. Verse 9. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. We spoke about this. Bringing the law has this effect of producing death and reviving sin. Basically, the law is pointing out at the sin. Here, 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 over there, over there, over there. That's, that's the uh, judger and pointing at the sin. That's why we see, oh, I didn't know there's so much sin. And we die. There is no life and no redemption. We read this in Romans 8. Uh, verse 3, what the law could not do because of the weakness of our flesh, because of the sin in us, God did by sending his own son as a sacrifice for us, as a, as a redemption. So this is, this is what we see here, Romans 7, 8 plus 10. And the commandment which was ordained to life, in verse 10, 7, 10, I found to be unto death. Verse 11, For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me, killed me. So we see here this, this equation. Law and sin equals death. It's like in math. One plus one is two. Write this down. Law and sin equals death. What does it speak to us? If somebody wants to solve sin problem in somebody's life, if you want to solve a sin issue in your own life, if you want to lead any group, uh, Bible studies, home group, uh, teaching in the Bible school, uh, you are church leader, uh, you are a mother which does uh, ministry with the children, uh, remember this uh, equation. That the law, one plus one equals two. Law plus sin equals death. Here it is, Romans 7, 8, 7, 9, 7, 10, and 7, 11. It brings death. The first original idea, the law is holy, was there. But because of the sin which is in us, the law plus sin brings death. Preaching the law will never bring Deliverance to anybody. It will never bring freedom. It will never bring life. It just kills. It just brings people to death. And you, you can use it on a people. For sin is the problem. Sin in us, our old sin nature is there, it's still there and it will be there till we are raptured or till we die and we are resurrected later on at the Trump. So it will be part of our life. That's why law cannot do nothing with us. Preaching a law at people will never do good. Maybe they will, they will practically obey for one minute. But then behind the corner, they will do the old things, they will be like the old man. Because there is no life, 
There is no change. There is just obedience by fear. And we are not manipulating people by fear. We are, we are preaching the truth which brings deliverance. The truth of a new relationship with Jesus Christ because we are in Christ. We are not, verse 5, in the flesh. You were in the flesh. What does it mean? It speaks about, about their original state uh, before salvation. Unregenerated unsaved people. And we can see this in Romans 8.2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. This is the solution. Not preaching the law and, and preaching at people what the sinners they are and using the Ten Commandments and making them guilty and thinking, well, I will make them free now. Well, they will just die because one plus one is two and the law and sin is death. But this is the solution. We spoke about it in the previous class. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, there is a certain law of the spirit. Uh, there is a certain scheme how it works. In Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So if you want to have a victory in your personal life over the sin which is in you and over the death that it produces, you need to die to the old man, you need to be divorced from the law, you need to realize you have been remarried to Jesus Christ and the spirit of life of Jesus makes you free just by realizing that the past is gone. This is beautiful and so powerful. If people would just understand this, we have a newness of life. We mentioned this, 2 Corinthians 5.17, whoever is in Christ, who has been born again, he, has a, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. The past is gone. It's been dealt with. 7.11. We are still uh, expounding this passage. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it slew me. Sin, which is in us, the old sin nature, and then the production of the old sin nature, our act, active sinning, taking occasion by the commandment. You know, the commandment came and the sin used it, as we would be said, sin plus the law equals death. Death deceived me and by it slew me. It brought death to me. What's interesting here is that there is this deception. It deceived me. This Greek word for this uh, deception is uh, exa, exapatel, exapatel, which means exa means like exact or full or precise, complete. Uh, so exapatel means this complete deception. I wasn't just like oh, a little bit confused. I knew I should go this way a little bit some somehow. I don't know exactly if about somewhere this direction. No, you are completely deceived. Thinking you are doing the good, but you are doing evil. 
We have seen this many times happened, and we can see it here. Don't you ever think that you have it under control? Don't you ever think that you have your sin under control? I've heard people many times saying, well, I drink, but I have it under control. I know what's my measure, and I keep it this way. Well, that's what you think you have it under control. Well, if you would turn with me into the book of Genesis, Genesis, the book of beginnings, we see how it all began, how it starts. Genesis chapter 3, it says here, And the woman said unto the serpent, Oh, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the tree of the fruit which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it. And then the serpent, the devil, comes and he is subtle, and he deceives this woman. Verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for good, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. Of course, there are things which are forbidden, and they are, they are addressing our needs, our emotions, our desires. It says here, the tree was good for food. It was good. It is good. What I'm doing is good. The good for food, it brings energy to the body. There is certain promise. It's not so bad. And the tree to be desired to make one wise. Oh, everybody wants to be wise. It's like studying certain things. Well, if you don't, if you don't try it, then you will not know. If you don't try drugs, you will not know. Well, the, the same with the drugs. Well, they are, they are good for experience if you are using this language. Uh, they are desired to make one wise because you will say, well, I've been there. I've crossed on the other side and I've been in this state. I, I, I can now speak from my own experience. You know? And there are certain promises so it was pleasant to the eyes. There is certain pleasure and promise. There is desire. You have desire for the alcohol. You have desire for the drugs. You have desire for illicit sex. There are certain desires, and it seems to be good. Well, today's uh, society is not condemning many things that we speak about. You can just do it freely. Society says it's not against the law. It's not evil. It's acceptable by society. It's actually good Why don't you do it? That's that's the wisdom of the devil his his wittiness That's how he comes and she considered and pondered upon these things Pleasant for the eyes good. It's not so bad. Well, the God says something but the world says something else Well, the Bible says something but my society and the world says something else. Whom will I listen? God or the devil? Well, Eve listened to the devil. And she went and she took of the fruit. That's how people take of the fruit of the alcohol. And they think they have it under control. That's what Eve thought. She said, well, I thought it was good. It will make me wise, and there was desire for it. It was pleasant for the eyes, what I saw. 
I wanted to have experience. Her natural thinking was like logical, but it wasn't spiritual. We don't do things which are good, we do things which are God in a sense. We don't do good, we do God. We don't do that which seems to be good, we, we uh, look for the things which are spiritual. That's total difference. That's the tree in the garden. There was a tree of knowing good and evil and the tree of life. It's the same like with knowing the law, you know what's wrong and what's right. If you are feeding at the law, at the tree, or you go to the tree of life, to the Jesus Christ. That's what it says in the Romans, that we have this life. That's the two trees in the garden. Tree of knowing good and evil. The law. Oh, you will know what's wrong and what's right, but it will bring death, like in the case of Adam and Eve, and you will have no life whatsoever. Or you go to the source of life. The spirit of life in Christ Jesus makes us free from the law and from the law of sin. There is no more this uh, craving and desire because we have a completely new life. In the Proverbs chapter 23, let's look there. This is beautiful passage. Proverbs 23. You young man, you young woman, and if I would be young, I would speak to myself. In this case, I speak just to you. No, for everybody else. But let's learn it. Let's learn this book. Let's learn these passages. Look at this. Proverbs 23, starting verse 26. It says here, My son, give me your heart. My son, give me your heart. You see, this is the difference between living by law and living in a relationship. You can do things right because you know what's right or you give your heart. You know, in a relationship what a woman wants, you send her a card, she wants your heart. She doesn't want you to just to know what's good, that every morning you wake up and you do this and you prepare coffee for her or hot chocolate and, and you do dishes when you come home from work and mechanically you do that which is good. But it will bring death into your relationship, my friend. She wants your heart. That's the difference. God wants your heart. It says here, my son, give me your heart. Well, that's, that's my inner being. Lev in Hebrew. That's, that's what I am. Well, that's, that's, that's my inner part. That's my thinking, my emotions. The five parts of our soul. That's where, the, where decisions are being made. Give me your heart. Give me this. Give me the right for your decisions, God says. Oh, how much we want to keep this right for decision for ourselves. But remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed. He said, Lord, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. Not, I would, not what I want, but what you want. I give you the ultimate right to make decision for my life. 
You tell me what's right. You tell me which direction to go, and I'll go because I give you my heart. I give you my heart, my inner being. This is what I give you. And look how, how, it, how it continues. There is a warning against the prostitute. It says, for a whore is a deep ditch. Strange woman is a narrow pit. It's, it's advice from a father to a young son. And it says here, she also lieth in wait as for prey and increases the transgressors among men. You know, she is, she is the cause of these problems. But it continues here. And look at this. Woe has woe. Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has babbling? Who has wounds without cause? Who has the redness of eye? Those that tarry long at wine, they that go seek mixed wine. The drunkards. People who drink, it says here, who has contentions? Who is fighting? Who has arguments? The drunk people. Who has babbling? You know, unutterable speech, uh, language that cannot be understood. The language of a drunkard. When he babbling and nobody understands what he says, that's the babbling which is caught by the alcohol. And the alcohol is a picture of sin because it's rotten. There's fermentation. It's not the pure wine from the grapes, freshly crushed like the blood of Christ. This is rotten. It's polluted. There is a sin which spreads. That's why people love wine and drinks. And it says here, who has wounds without a cause? The drunkards. He goes from the pub and he trembles and falls and, and he gets into fight without a cause. Who has the redness of the eye in the morning? His eyes are red because he wasn't sleeping and from the exhaustion of the alcohol. They that tarry long at wine, don't tell me that people should drink wine in the church. Bible gives the warning. It says, don't do it. It says, don't even look upon the wine when it's red, how it gives its color in the cup and how it moves itself right. Have you ever seen people with this cup with wine? You know, it does this little chain of the bubbles and you just look at the redness, how it moves smoothly. It says here, at the last it bites like a serpent and stinks like an adder. You drink this wine and you think there is this promise, but it will bite you like a serpent. What's the result? Your eyes shall behold strange women and your heart shall utter perverse things. Have you ever caught yourself being drunk and you realize you behave like a person without a brain? You were in the company of a strange women, lewd, uh, base, a uh, group of people, not immoral things happen, strange women and perverseness, perverse things, vulgarity, cursing, many things are coming. This is the result of this looseness. People lose control. That's why they like this wine, because we have this control. We have a clear mind, sober mind, which keeps us not to do things. But when you get drunk, you know, these inhibitors, they are like suppressed. And people are so-called free and loose to do things that they wouldn't do if they are sober. And this is it. This is the worst thing at the end. Look at this. 
and you shall be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shall thou say. And I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. You will get beaten, you will get robbed, you will get ripped. You will find yourself in your shame and nakedness because of the sin. You will be beaten without the cause because you are easy prey. And this is the worst part. When I shall awake, I will seek it yet again. Can you see this? So you get drunken, your eyes are red, you have a headache, you've been beaten without a cause, you uttered perverse things, you were in the company of the strangeness and perverseness and immorality, the, the bottom of the bottom, and you wake up in the morning with all this, and you say, and I will seek it yet again, you are looking for this experience again, and you say you have it under control, People think they have it sin under control. I can show you on my fingers numbers of people that were my age or younger. My, my, uh, my, some of them were my bodies and they are not here anymore. One of them died because he was drunken, driving car, he killed himself. Another one killed himself on a motorcycle driving. There was another, man who, another one who died overdose there was another one who hanged himself. So many people died around. That's the death. This is the result of living in sin. Sin brings death. Not just spiritual death, but an ultimate final death of our life here on earth and takes us to the second death, which is the lake of fire. And people think, well, I have it under control. And they will wake up and they will seek it yet again, again, again. This is called addiction. You are hooked on it. You cannot be free because you need to be born again or you need to make a rational decision with God, be spirit-filled and live in the newness of life. That's how it is. Romans 7, Romans uh, 8.2 and he has made me free from the law of sin. I don't have to sin. Of course, everybody, every one of us fails sometimes. Of course, we sin. But we are free from it. It has no more dominion over us. You should realize that while you play with your sin, people go to hell. If this is not sobering thought, what else can shake you? While you are playing with your sin, people go to hell. Look at your neighbor today, because tomorrow he might not be there. Happened to us, we had a neighbor, lady. I told her about Christ, and I believe she received him. And when we came back from our travels, she wasn't there. Now you can weep, you can say, why didn't I tell her more? There is no time for it anymore for her. Her time is gone. While you play with your sin, people are going to hell. You know, 
go and enjoy your sin. And I hope these words will stay with you in your conscience and they will bother you while you want to party in your sin. I hope it will speak to you that God will burn love in your heart for the lost and dying world. That's why we are here. That's why we are doing it. That's why we came here. Because this is not a joke. This is the most beautiful and powerful message how to make people free. People are hooked on alcohol. People are on drugs. People are addicted to pornography. People are addicted to, to different uh, things. Uh, we met a young man and he's addicted to prostitution. He is addicted pedophiles and ask them if they have it under control no they don't there is such a strong desire that it takes them against the natural thinking they know is wrong and yet they do it because they follow their desire because they live in the oldness in unregenerated man they have no power how to stop it and overcome it only a new life which gives you new heart Jeremiah 17:9. the old heart is rotten, wicked. Who can know it? You don't even know what you are capable of. Praise God, we have a new heart. We have a new life. We live in the newness. Newness. We have a newness with God. That's why we are doing this. Pastor Scheller preached recently. This was amazing. Uh, about Jonah, you know, Jonah taking care of his gourd, sitting under his little tree which grew and gave him a shadow. And he wasn't interested in this city of wicked people in Nineveh. And he said it reminds him some people who have these nice houses, nice garden, plant trees, they sit in the shadow of their own gourd and they don't care about Nineveh all around them. The dying world. What we do, God speaks to us, and God is so powerful how He speaks to us. Now, there is this law, we have this newness, and the Paul goes from 7 11 13 uh, to verse 14, and he says, that he is carnal, salt under sin. And he speaks about this experience, we spoke about it. He wants to do good things, but he does bad. And he doesn't want to do bad, but he does them. And with his mind and heart, he no wants to do, but with his flesh, with his body, he does what he doesn't want to do. And there is this inner struggle in him. And it says here, Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, to the believers. Now, if you continue, there is this passage to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. What does it mean? This is not a group of people, those who are in Christ Jesus, and plus, they are working not after the flesh, but they are working after the spirit. No, that's not the case. This is just extension. Look in Romans 7.5. You were in the flesh. 
there's a state you were in. You were in the flesh. But now you are in Christ. And it says here, no condemnation to them which are in Christ, which is those who walk not after the flesh, because they were in the flesh, and they walk in the spirit. They live in the newness of life. They have a new realm. They have a new government. It's revealed here. As we continue. Verse 4, 8, 4. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, in believers, which is those who walk not after the flesh, because we are not anymore in the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, you will hit the hard point here. Uh, some people will tell you, well, it means that you have to live in the spirit as a Christian and not to live in the flesh as a Christian, uh, meaning practical life. No, this passage doesn't speak about it. We know that we as a Christians, we should live in the spirit, being filled with the spirit and not in the oldness of life. That's how we practice our life. That's how we apply the doctrine and live in it. But in this case, it speaks here that the righteousness of the law was fulfilled in Christ, which is in us. We are in Christ. We, it's those who, and who are not under the dominion of the flesh. Verse 5. For they that are after the flesh or under, under the dominion of the flesh, the unsaved and unregenerated group of people, they think the things of the flesh. But those who are under the dominion of the spirit, because we have been born of the spirit, we are not of the flesh anymore. That was our first birth. When Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John 3, we have a second birth of the Spirit and we are under the dominion or government of the Spirit because the flesh and the law has no more legal right on us. We read it in Romans 7 and 6. We died to the old husband and we have no fruit with the old husband, which is death. We have a new husband Christ Jesus in the spirit and it says here but those who are under the dominion of the spirit do things of the spirit to be carnally minded to have this fleshly mind unregenerated is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace that's what we are speaking about all the time here we are a new people now Verse 9, this is the key to all these previous verses. But you are not in the flesh. Look with me in the Romans 7.5. If you have your Bible, I, I want you to really uh, find this verse. Romans 7.5. Read with me. For when we were in the flesh, past tense, we were in the flesh. It was the time when we were in the flesh. Now, 8, 9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. We were in the flesh before, but we are not in the flesh now, we are in the spirit. That's what it says here. Basically saying you are of the spirit under the new government, 
under another economy. God looks at us differently. Not the oldness of the flesh, the enmity with God, the law which brings condemnation and death, but we are on the other side. If so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man has not the Spirit, he is none of his. So if you think you are here and you don't have the Spirit of Christ in you, you are not his and you are still in the old group. You were never born, you were never saved, you were never born again, you were never regenerated by the Holy Spirit, you were never sealed by the Holy Spirit, you were never washed by his blood, you are still the old man and all things have not passed away for you and the judgment of sin is still upon you because you have not received the forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And he says it, this is so clear. You are in Christ, you are in the Spirit and the new government, you are, the law is fulfilled in you because of Christ in you. You have nothing to do with the law. That's the old man, that's not you. He says it here, but you are not in the flesh. Mark it down, mark this in the Bible. You are not in the flesh. Now, now we can, we can, uh, we can continue with this. This is so beautiful. So beautiful. Just remember that these verses, Romans 8, 1 to, to 8, cannot be explained without the Romans 8, 9. But you are not in the flesh. That's the key verse for this passage. To understand that you are not it. Because... You are in the Spirit, and Christ dwells in you. Verse 10, it's the Holy Spirit that raised him, Jesus from the dead, dwells in you. Verse 11, oiko, oiko dumeo, he is dwelling in you. He is a resident place in you. That's why we say, have you received Jesus into your heart? It's a biblical question. Do you know you have the Holy Spirit residing in you? Do you know you are His and you belong to Him? By the Holy Spirit which dwells in you. Verse 12, Therefore, because of all this, you are no more debtor to the flesh, to live after the flesh. He says here, you are a new person and a new economy. You, are, you, have, you owe Him nothing. You owe nothing to the old life. It's all gone. And it says here, verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And we spoke about this. We are the sons of God. Those who are led or governed by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Now somebody will tell me, oh, here you go. Those who are led by the Spirit, they are the sons, which means, they will say, if you are not led by the Spirit and you are led by your desires, you are not son of God, right? No. This word for being led by the Spirit means those who are governed, meaning under the government. Uh, we can say you are governed by your president. Doesn't necessarily mean you obey him every time, but you are governed by your president uh, because he is your legal uh, authority over you. That's what it's speaking about. I'll give you proof. 
I'll give you proof. First John 3, 2. I'll give you proof of my words. And mark it down, write this verse next to it. First John 3, 2, because there's an answer. It says here, Beloved, now we are the sons of God. If we obey, no, now we are the sons of God. Now, now at this present time, not you will be or you are and you have to keep it. No, beloved, now you are the sons of God and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. It says here, beloved, now you are the sons of God. First John 3, 2. Beloved, now you are the sons of God. It does not yet appear. Of course, the people don't see it yet. Maybe many brothers and sisters don't see it yet. Maybe you don't see it yet that you are son of God or daughter of God. Maybe you yourself don't see it yet. Because it's difficult. Because in Romans 7 we fail and we do things we don't want to do. This is our practical life. We are not such a good testimony always. It does not yet appear. Because we are living in this body. But you are now. You are the sons of God. And back to the Romans. For as many as are under the government of the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Speaking those who are, who, who has crossed from the old to the new, they are the sons of God. And he says it here, now you are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But when he comes, it will appear in a moment who we are, the glory of God, what we have received. The transformation, the change, the people will be shocked when we will disappear and then they will see us in these glorified bodies, in our soul. It's such a beautiful to understand this. In Revelation, the book of Revelation, it speaks about rewards. You know, and we will, we will finish with this. It says here, Revelation chapter 2. Just a second, I need to find this verse. Yes, here. There's this morning star order 2, Revelation 2.28. Here, uh, 3.5. 3, 5. Revelation 3, 5. He that overcomes, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. Now, people are using this verse and they say, you see, white raiment, those who overcome, those who keep their faith till the end. No, it doesn't say it here. It says, you, those who overcome, they will have a white raiment. What does it speak about? It speaks about the raiment, the clothing of the light. God dwells, God wraps himself in light. We will have this raiment of light, which is a glory. We will have a glorious body at the resurrection. It does not yet appear what we shall be. And then we will get the raiment, clothing of the light. This white, shining raiment. It's, it's, it's a reward which we will receive. And we will finish now, back again into the, 
First uh, John 3.2. <clears throat> Let's look at this. So now speaking about the sons, he says, now you are the sons. And And we are the sons now, okay? Now, back to Romans. Romans 8. This is what we are speaking about. Back to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Now we are the sons, and we continue in this sonship. Now it says here, verse 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the saved, regenerated person who has been born again has received the spirit of adoption. He is in the family, and now he has a heavenly father. Verse 16, there is confirmation. The spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Do you have the witness of the spirit in your heart that you are the child of God? It says here, the Spirit gives witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, because we are under the government of the Spirit. Verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, we will receive this heritage. This is the uh, sequence or consequence of what happened. We have left the old law, we have been redeemed, we are under the new government, in a new relationship, now we are the sons, and because we are sons, we are the heirs, we have heritage in heaven, ready, prepared for us. This is so beautiful. Let's remember this, let's remember that this is speaking about change from one position into another position. There is no progress of trying to climb up the mountain uh, through the 